The words that I'd like to direct your attention to this evening are found in the book of Mark, chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 18 to 22. I don't know if it's because uh, it's the evening time or it's because two services day, but I'm looking for Mark in the Old Testament and it's not there. (laughs) It's funny, actually, true story. Um, When I proposed to Julie, I was looking up verses in the Bible and she knew something was up because I was going all over the place in the wrong direction. So I'm doing the same thing now. Um, Mark chapter two, uh, beginning in verse 18. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And they came to him and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, While the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it. The new from the old and the worse tear results. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins. And the wine is lost and the skins as well. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. Again, Father, I ask for your assistance as we look at your word. This evening, we pray that you just encourage my brothers and sisters and strengthen our hearts. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to begin by a question, and that's simply, how joyful are your Christmases usually? Uh, How worshipful are they, truly? And the reason I ask that um, is because just from my own personal experience, often this is this Christmas can be one of the most challenging times of year. Um, again, the stress, uh, there's lots going on. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, there's a lot to enjoy at Christmas time. The songs, I mean, obviously the giving and the receiving of gifts, uh, the, I mean, beautiful lights, the decorations, I love the decorations, the treats, <laughs> I, mean, I love the treats. Uh, in fact, making lots and lots of cookies this week. I love cookies. <laughs> I see a cookie and it's cookie. <laughs> cookie monster. That's what I feel like. There's lots of wonderful things. We see family and friends. Uh, even receiving Christmas cards from old friends. Maybe people you haven't seen in uh, 10 or 15 years. It's encouraging. So there's a lot to enjoy about the Christmas even, uh, season. Even a Christmas Eve service. And I've always looked forward to this time of year from the time I was a child, frequently being so excited on Christmas Eve, I, I'd stay up all night, I mean, uh, and it, which made for a really hard afternoon later on. Uh, but I was just so eager. But I was also, even despite all that eagerness, regularly disappointed because all, what, what, I, I expected it to be so much. And then even after everything was done and there's the mess of presents and 
People are tired. It just, it just felt like a letdown. Um, I felt more depressed rather than refreshed uh, even during this, this final week of the year. So really for me, at least, Christmas over time became actually more of a season of disappointment rather than being truly joyful. One more of shattered expectations than, than worship. And honestly, even as I've gotten older, again, maybe because it's the busyness of the season, I struggled, even as a pastor, maybe especially as a pastor, to truly make it worshipful. And it maybe is because I know it should be. When, I, when it's not, it's all the more discouraging. Because it should be. I mean, we're worshiping our Lord. And of course, worship is the end goal of everything. And especially Christmas. It's a, Christ, it's a Christian holiday, right? The Christ Mass. The Christ Worship Service. Right, going back to the medieval times when they would each mass was dedicated to a certain saint. Well, this was this was the the service that was dedicated to Christ because it was where he was honored for his birth. So, of all services during Christmas time, we should worship Christ. And so, why is Christmas, I think, more of a hindrance rather than a catalyst for worship for people like me? And Willow, of course, too. Um, I, I think my problem is that I, I have unrealistic expectations that um, upon the traditions that they're going to satisfy my heart. It's not that they're bad, but my expectations, I put too much in the expectations of what I'm going to get out of the season. And the good traditions end up distracting us from the source of joy because we look to them rather than to the source of joy which is what they point to. It's kind of like uh, drooling over a menu, looking at how, maybe thinking about how it's prepared, seeing the picture and its ingredients, and you're just excited to eat, but you never get around to actually ordering the meal. Or enjoying the pictures of the Grand Canyon, maybe on a website, and anticipating going there on vacation, but you never actually get to see the Grand Canyon. And there's a big difference when seeing the Grand Canyon, if you've ever been there, and looking at a picture. And so how do we keep our good Christian traditions in the proper place so that they fuel our joy for God rather than quench it? And I think the answer is that we need to remember that religious traditions, and, and frankly every other pleasure that we can experience in this life, are merely pointers They're not bad things, but they're just pointers to the source of real joy. I love how Augustine said in the beginning of his confessions, he's he's speaking to the Lord. He says, how sweet all at once it was for me to be rid of those fruitless joys. And he's talking about things that really brought him joy, which I had once feared to lose. And And he delights me. He says, you drove them from me. You who are the true The sovereign joy. You drove them from me and took their place. Oh, Lord, my God, my light, my wealth and my salvation. Because he realizes the problem wasn't that they were necessarily wrong. I mean, some of those things he found pleasure in were. But so many of the things were they were good pleasures, but they they always faded. And in fact, the more he anticipated them, the more of a letdown was found when they faded. And but when he when he met Christ and he found Christ, 
he found a fountain of joy that he continued to be satisfied in. And that's what drove all of his ministry, is he wanted people to understand that they could find their satisfaction in God. He was really that satisfying. Because, of course, we were created to be satisfied in God. That was our design in creating us. And in Mark chapter 2, Jesus addresses this very issue in a conversation that he has with the Pharisees because they had brought up to him a question regarding fasting. They ask why he and his disciples don't follow their tradition of fasting. And Jesus responds by saying this in verse 19. While the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. So why does Jesus use this imagery here? Now again, on the surface, Jesus' point is merely to point out that now is not the time to fast. And fasting was something that would really be more appropriate to a funeral. It was a way of expressing remorse or grief or, or a desperate longing for God because you've just lost somebody you loved. And so a person would wear sackcloth and ashes as a way of expressing just that they were emotionally undone. And so the Pharisees are wondering, why aren't you fasting? And Jesus is saying, well, now is not a time to fast. Now is a time to delight because the bridegroom is here. So how is that an answer to their question? Well, notice that the weight of the illustration is not just that it's the wrong time, but why it's the wrong time. Again, it's the wrong time because the bridegroom is with them right now. Now is time to to anticipate a wedding, in other words. And Jesus' point is that he is the bridegroom. And recognize Jesus has just thrown down a theological hand grenade here. The point of, again, the point of fasting, why the Pharisees were fasting, presumably, the point was to show a longing for God, a desperation for God. Right? They're heartbroken. They want God. And what Jesus is saying is, why would you fast when the very thing that you're longing for is right here in your presence? I'm here, in other words. Jesus is saying, God is with you. Why would you fast? I mean, another to, to use the illustration, another venue, it's like sitting down at the dinner table and then just declaring, oh, I'm so hungry. What I would do for a decent meal. Now, how would you respond if one of your kids did that after you know, three hours of preparing Christmas dinner? <laughs> like, well, eat the meal. It's right there. That's why we prepared it. We want you to enjoy it. Why are you groaning about being hungry when the food is right there. Eat it. Jesus is saying, if you're so desperate to God as your fasting is seeking to express it, here I am. John the Baptist, who announced the coming of the Messiah, actually uses the same imagery that Christ uses here. In John 3.29, he says, He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, he's referring to himself, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. John's saying, I love being able to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. My joy is full because the bridegroom's here. We can celebrate. We can rejoice. The bridegroom's come. 
to bring redemption, to bring salvation. And I think this is the same reason that the angels went berserk when they announced the Messiah's coming to the shepherds. They were you, you mean, almost coming out of their skin with whatever skin angels have. I'm sure they have some sort of skin. They were just, they, they, they had good news of great joy, they said. This is what it says. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth and peace among men with whom he's pleased. And they rejoiced because finally they're singing, This is how God is going to bring redemption? I mean, they didn't know it before. We know in 1 Peter, the, the angels are constantly trying to discover what God's plan of redemption is going to be. And now they see it and they're ecstatic with joy. God is going to come to earth as a man to redeem sinners. This is amazing. And of course, the angels will rejoice again like this. If you turn in your Bibles to Revelation 19, we see the Angels there celebrating in another wedding. Revelation 19, verse 6. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. The bride has made herself ready and the bridegrooms come. They're rejoicing because the wedding's now. Of course, we're looking forward to this time now. And so Jesus' point here is the, his presence was a cause for rejoicing. It's not a cause for fasting. It's not that fasting's bad. It's just not the right time for it. It's a good tradition, but they're missing the point. And notice what Jesus also says in verse 20. The days will come when the bridegroom's taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Right? The point being is there would be a time in the future when, it, when they will want to fast. Because Christ will be taken from them. He'll ascend to the Father. After dying for their sins, rising from the dead, he will ascend to heaven and be seated at the right hand of God. And it would be in that day that the disciples would once again express their great longing for his return. And because Jesus really wants them to get the point, he illustrates the issue with two illustrations. Isn't that remarkable? He really wants them to get it. Because they're so focused on these traditions that they love but they're missing the point. And so, again, a good teacher, they just want to illustrate. Jesus illustrates with cloth and then once again with wineskins. And the point of these illustrations is that the new doesn't fit with the old. You try to put something new here with the old and it ruins the old. Because the new is better. And Jesus is telling the Pharisees, guys, you need to look past your traditions and recognize what the traditions are pointing to. If they are to get God that their traditions supposedly express longing for, they need to look past those traditions. In fact, their traditions are what's hindering them from getting what they really want. And this is 
It's kind of like the guy who wants to impress a girl by uh, talking real loud, acting macho, uh, throwing out pickup lines that are just cheesy. The, the very things that he's doing is, are actually a turn-on. They're the very things that make this girl not want to pursue a relationship with him. Because he's not really pursuing her, he's just showing off. And the Pharisees here were, were stuck trying to find life and meaning and joy in the tradition. Although it's a good tradition, rather than embracing the Savior that was right in front of them. They loved the tradition more than they loved their Messiah. And similarly, I think we too often seek for joy in our traditions. It could be our religious traditions, but I think especially, and I think this has been my experience in the past, especially in Christmas traditions. Because they're good. Many of them are religious. And yet when we put our hope in these good things, rather than in the things that these are shadows or reflection of, like the pleasures that we get from everything Christmas can offer are just shadows of the true pleasure that only Christ can give. The disciples didn't fast because the fount of all joy was with them. But when Christ left them and went into heaven, they did. Because they longed for his return when, he, when they would once again be satisfied because he'd be with them. And so just as it was wrong for the disciples to fast because the source of all joy was with them, likewise, when Christ returns... We will long no longer. We will no longer have any longings because we'll be satisfied. That's what Revelation 21, 2 through 4 says. Just maybe a page later in your Bibles from the other one we looked at. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready, note, as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And he shall be his people. They shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and they will, there will no longer be any death. There will be no longer be any mourning, or crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. And I bring that up because Christ has gone back into heaven now. We're still awaiting for his return. And that's why there is crying. That's why there is mourning. That's where there is pain right now. But we need to recognize that's why we don't put our hope in the things of this life. Because nothing in this life is guaranteed. And nothing in this life will ever satisfy us. That's why our hope is to be set fully on the grace that's going to be brought to us when Christ returns. When when all of our satisfaction will finally be realized. And every longing of our heart be fulfilled. And so I, I find it helpful to think of Christmas and its traditions and, and its, the pleasures it brings kind of like an engagement ring. You know, when, when, you, when a person has an engagement ring, they, they can look at it and remember the promise and there's a promise of present love, but there's, almost, there's also a promise that one day we'll be together forever. 
And likewise with Christ, we can remember His present promise of forgiveness. And really His His presence with us in, in the Holy Spirit. Presently. But also the future promise that He has sworn that He will come to bring us home with Him. If we have trusted in His saving love. And so if you love Him now, pursue Him. Pursue Him in His Word. Meditate upon His promises. Pursue Him. It doesn't mean avoid the traditions, but allow those traditions to be pointers to Him. And make sure you're not neglecting the things that really do point to Him. The things that really do stir up your affections for Him. They don't just stir up your affections, but stir up your affections for Him. When, you're a, when you are loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will love everything else He provides even more. But when you look to those other things, they will crush your soul. It's almost like our hearts, when we have little idols, and that's what even good Christmas traditions can be like, little idols, they're like black holes in our heart. <laughs> they, they suck all the goodness out and we just feel all the more empty. But when we're looking to Christ to be satisfied, pursuing Him, we, can be, we are satisfied, and yet the joy keeps coming. It's full. And so if you're hungry now for hope, for joy, don't look for it in, don't look for hope in things that are fleeting. And really look to Christ. Read His Word. Pray to Him. Pursue Him, especially during this season. And don't let even these good traditions crowd Him out. Let's pray. Father, we want to, be, to, 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 to experience the fullness of joy. Right? We, we know that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. And we're called to rejoice in the Lord always. You say, again, Paul says rejoice. Lord, we want to rejoice. We don't want to just plod through this season, but worship. And so we ask that you would help us, guide us, help us to see when we're off track. So we can get our hearts right and so that you would be pleased and so we might have real pleasure. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing some more.